don't know why I brought my dog to the pod. I just had to. He's, this is Tokyo, if you don't know. I call him Ophus for short. Right, we're back with episode... This is fucking weird, wearing a headset. It means I can hear myself, which is actually too much. I'm going to try it for like a minute, then probably take it off. Back with episode 62 of the Midnight Pod. It was going to be what I thought would be a potentially very solid episode with the founder of a certain very big venture-backed D2C brand. Sadly, he's had to cancel. Um, he was very apologetic about it. He's cancelled a few times, but we'll try to make it happen again. So I thought, fuck it, why not come check out the new studio? We're recording in Dream Factory. We recorded in Dream Factory last week with Graham's episode 61. But that was downstairs with, with the lapel mics. Um, I'm going to take this off. Sounds fucking weird. And yeah, maybe I'll keep these on. I've never used these before. It's a different setup, so bear with me. And yeah, we recorded downstairs with the lapel mics. My, my dog is here as well. This is in the proper podcast studio, which I think is way better. I'm going to do a Q&A because... Fuck it, I'm taking these off. I apologise. Going to do a Q&A. It is weird doing a Q&A by myself. It's basically a document the journey episode, but calling it a pod episode because we're in a podcast studio properly. Um, I literally put up a Q&A thing like two out, three hours ago. Got probably 150 plus questions. As always... Very difficult to go through them all. I haven't actually picked my favorite ones, but I'm, I'm actually going to try and answer all of them. And if they're kind of shit or like repeats, I'll cut them out or just skip past them. I got a bunch on Instagram and Twitter. I've screenshotted them all here. Where are we going to start? Um, fuck it. I'll start on the first screenshot, which is probably the latest questions. First question, what are your favorite private members clubs in London? I'm be very stereotypical and just probably say Sour House because that's where I go the most. Um... I'm probably not niche or exclusive enough to go anywhere else. So yeah, probably say Sour House. That is where I go most often, 180 being my favorite. And then I'm also a member of Soho Works, which I don't go to enough, waste of money. But yeah, probably that. Breakdown of your ad creation process. Do you have a system? Yeah, I do, to be fair. Didn't have a system before. There's a few different things that kind of go into it. Um, I would show it on my screen, but basically we have Brad, you probably see a lot of my stuff. I need a fucking haircut as well. Does like my main fancy type ads, I suppose. Um, so that's kind of one input. The other input is we, we have a system which Lucy runs. We use Incense, this platform called Incense Pro. Maybe I'll link it downstairs. Down in, downstairs. Link it down in the bio. Um, use that for a lot of, basically all the UGC stuff we do because it's very systemized. And then we have an editing agency in the Philippines that turn it like turn briefs into like, actual ad creatives. So yeah, there's like one person that manages it. There's a few different inputs. We've got an editing team. And then it's like a constant feedback loop with the ads agency, what's working, what's not working. And I really view that as like a data science rather than an actual creative thing, to be honest. Like it is quite literally making a creative, but I don't view the process as that creative. It's more like science. Where's this dog been? Are you going to join? Tokyo is here. I brought him along, but it's not come up. So yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm going to go through all these. We're going to make it fairly quick fire. My brain's going to be fried at the end. One quote that changed your mindset. Um, I don't know. I'm probably going to be so stereotypical and say the one that I made myself for the launch of space because nothing exists until you create it. And I think the premise there is quite literally that. Like you create create your own luck, which I'm guilty of not, you know, not remembering enough in many situations. You create your own opportunities. You create your own future, I suppose. And, yeah, like, and also just to remember that everything you see around you was created by people that ultimately are probably not that much smarter than you. So that's probably one. He's asked two questions. 
hardest moment in business and how you dealt with it. I think everyone knows that because I spent a whole fucking 90 minutes in the start of the pod speaking about it. Um, definitely that period when Neon Beach went tits up. I mean, I still think now looking back on that first episode, I probably underplayed how bad that actually was. And it was bad primarily for two reasons, you know, financially fucked, but also emotionally fucked because of all the social media abuse that came along with it at the same time. And ultimately that's what made me start the pod is I wanted to kind of clear my name in a way and spread light on what actually happened. So definitely that. What key advice would you give to beginners entering the food slash beverage industry? I mean, I'm, I'm still a beginner in the food beverage industry, but geez, good question. I think probably work with a UK manufacturer would be one thing, especially if you're launching in the UK, because they will, if they're the right people, help you, you know, the regulations or the claims you can or can't make, which I've already been stung on, by the way. Um, so yeah, that's probably what I'd say, primarily. Do you invest in anything outside of space goods? Um, Time-wise, not much, apart from the podcast. Financially, yeah, I have a little bit, but nothing massive, mainly like crypto in the past and a few other things that probably a lot of people have been very burnt in that respect. Startup-wise as well, I've invested in a handful of startups, um, generally like SEIS, small ticket stuff. I did some much bigger ticket stuff back in like 2020, some of which looking back was probably not the best decision, a bit naive at the time, but yeah. Um, I think generally it's quite cool to invest in stuff that you're actually interested in, which is why startups, I think if you can, it's just like, I feel like as well, if, if I'm expecting people to invest in my thing, which obviously not everyone does, but you know, I think in a way it's like paying it forward into another founder or idea. So yeah, that's pretty cool. But I suppose startups are kind of more niche opportunities. Like you kind of have to know people to be invited into a round or have connections, etc. Um, I'm literally gonna answer every question that I screenshotted, which isn't all of them, but here we go. What regulations were there to launch a drink brand in the UK? Um, a lot of things. I would kind of say, speak to a fucking supplier on that. I, I don't want to give bad advice or expose myself for sounding ignorant in the industry I'm in. So I'm not going to comment too much on that because I'm still learning a lot. Um, if you took over Midnight City, my old jewelry brand, tomorrow, how would you make it a success again? Well, I actually don't know how well it's doing. I spoke to the owner of Neon Beach this morning because I was looking at potentially doing a buyback and doing like a legendary comeback on the side and like building a small team from like Twitter to run it. So that might still happen. Comment if you'd be interested in basically running that for me. Um, if we were to buy it back as a group or something, I don't know, it'd be quite cool. But Midnight City, um, I think I'd focus heavily on TikTok. I'd probably build out a custom element to the business and I would probably probably make it way more way more unique and come up with some strong USP which maybe custom stuff would help with um screen time that's a shit question would you be able to build a brand without your iPhone or iPhone slash personal social media I think yes I think iPhone is obviously more just like a tool that they're referencing there you can obviously do that on a laptop I work mostly mostly on my laptop anyway not my iPhone to be fair um Personal social media slash personal brand, I think it's very helpful. I went through a six month period during the whole Neon Beach fiasco of deleting social media, which was quite refreshing and probably good for me, but wasn't wasn't good in terms of, of, of terms of social life, whether that's like romantically, fucking just mates, you know, networking, whatever it is. So I think it's definitely net beneficial to have social media. How to manage a full time job, starting a business, fitness and a relationship. <laughs> fucking hell. Um 
I think I heard something, and it's, it's a bit cliche, but I, think, I don't know if it, whether it was out of three or four, but you, you kind of have to pick two. And I think the three were work, I guess in your case, you've got two different things, which would make it hard. Work, social life, and health. I think they were like broadly the three. And I do kind of agree with the premise that you have to pick two. The past few months for me have been, well, certainly f- physical health, maybe less so about mental health, but certainly health, turn off fucking what's that? Health and business for me, I think, you know, social life has definitely been not that existent for me, certainly like romantic life recently. Um, but it's a choice and I think there's seasons. But I think if you are going to do them, just choose, you know, map out some sort of time allocation, whether that's, you know, on Saturdays you focus on fucking social life, whatever it is. Um, sounds a bit robotic and it's never going to be quite as linear as that, but that's what I would do generally, you know, have a rough calendar how are you using those 24 hours and really you should be sleeping eight so how are you using those 16 hours a day because there's always more time than you think but you have to be planned i think best way to build a perfume brand i'm going to choke these on again because i'm worried my dog is shot in the studio we're going to go with that and i'm going to run with these half on again it feels like i can give less good answers in here because it feels so formal and i know that's how we progress to the next stage of the pod and so on but don't know. I feel like I'm missing the coziness of home and a bit of red wine. But change is good. Um, best way to build a perfume brand. I'm going to instinctively say I don't know what the fuck. I don't know how to answer that because I have no idea. But I would say speak to Connor Martin. Um, richest man on Twitter. That's probably what I'm going to say to that. There's a lot of principles. I think perfume potentially has great margins. But I think very hard to actually build out a good offer with perfume. Because obviously you can't fucking smell it first. So, yeah, I think you could do something unique with that. But I would say Connor Martin's done it best. So I'm not going to say what he's doing, but he's got a brand in that space and it's definitely the best. Book recommendations. um, Definitely Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. I think that's the most powerful, moving, influential book I've read in the past, like, few years. I actually don't read that much, to be honest. I I go through phases. There's phases where I'll read, like, I don't know, fucking every day. Certainly was reading every day when I read this book. I don't know why I'm showing you. You've got questions. Um, when I read Can't Hurt Me, but yeah, I've really fallen out of that right now. So I'll say read that, but I need to read more because I'm not reading anything as, as it goes. 19-year-old just starting learning higher income skills. I mean, fucking, I still don't know any higher income skills. <laughs> so please tell me what you're learning. What ad platform What ad platform is worth it most right now? I still think if you're trying to get into media buying, which is what he's kind of alluding, you can't beat fucking meta. Facebook, Instagram, still the big daddy for me and most people I know in terms of spend and results. So I think go there. Um, This is a joke question for my mate, I think. What is the best business or industry to make money in 2023 and beyond? Probably not fucking e-commerce. Hardest part of our business, all of it. I'm not going to answer the next question. That's very rude. Um, What would you say the markup should be if supplements taken into account? I think product margin on supplements, you should be going at least 80% at least so if you're selling it for 100 pounds it costs you 20 pounds to make obviously easy easy maths example um ideally higher my product margins are like 88 percent plus they should be 90 percent plus by the time we're at like another level of scale and new SKUs and so on which would mean obviously right now we're selling it for 50 quid it costs i'm not gonna say well costs about five pound 50 to make so do the maths plus that to be fair but obviously that that can be claimed back um if you had a limited budget to use to sell supplements less than 2k budget what would be your approach but he's trying to start the next fucking space goods eh he's gonna rip me off um 
that is a good question because it's, it's kind of hard to to put myself in those shoes again because I'm, I'm it's been years and years and years since I've been in that position but I have been in that position um I would instinctively say supplements is hard because you're gonna have to white label just because of minimums and even then that's probably not enough money to do it so I would almost say somehow figure out how to drop ship something simple but then drop shipping supplements is probably quite dangerous and that's how Gymshark started but that was drop shipping like other brands on a retail website rather than their own brand which is what I think you're saying you want to do what would be my approach I'd probably go marketing would have to be purely organic I'd do influencer seeding TikTok organic shit like look at like Tabs Chocolate Oliver and Jimmy doing that and yeah that'd be what I'd say but I think 2k you're going to struggle with supplements especially building your own product in fact I would say it's probably impossible with that kind of budget um what type of people do you try and be around? How do you balance relationships and work? I think the type of people I try and be around is not even, I've never thought of it as a science. I think a lot of people do and it seems kind of forced. I just have always been drawn to people that are on, a, on the same page and want to fucking get, be the best in every area of life, you know, whether that's like, I don't know, fucking primarily entrepreneurially, but also guys that are authentic and fucking, you know, can trust. So, yeah, it's a bit cringe in it, but I mean, just good fucking people that can be, have a laugh, and you know, my dog's crying. Fucking, I'm gonna pick him up. People that can, yeah, have a laugh, do cool shit, know when is the right time to work and play, understand the seasons of life, but also very, very ambitious. I think naturally, is who I'm drawn to. I should probably work on meeting more new people though, because you know, so many times I've met someone for the first time, maybe thinking, oh, you know, naturally maybe a bit introverted. Then when I meet them, I think, oh wow this is really valuable for both of us. So yeah. Um, and then how do I balance relationships and work? I think we kind of covered this. I feel like I don't really, I certainly don't have any romantic relationships right now. Um, probably won't for a long time to be fair at this rate. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there is balance. I think relationships probably the best ones come through um, like, you know, socially and like mates, close mates and shit come through, through your business. Cause you relate to each other and you're constantly working on shit. Um, are you planning to set up base in another country, Bali, Dubai? Honestly, not right now. I understand why people do it. I don't, I don't have any problem with it. It's just not on a high priority list for me right now. I think a lot of people kind of jump on that because people on Twitter tell them to and they haven't actually considered the logistics or upsides and downsides and pros and cons, of which there are pros and cons of every situation, by the way, and every residency and every country. I think people need to learn how to think for themselves and, and it's evident that someone doesn't have much experience in anything when they just copy what, you know, copy what the crowd is doing particularly in a space like money twitter there's nothing wrong with that but each to their own dog is here i don't know why i brought my dog to the pod i just had to he's this is tokyo if you don't know i call him Ophus for short hey <laughs> that's the money shot right there where was i hat's gone on dog has joined feels so weird recording in a new place <laughs> Oh, oh, that's not ideal. Shush. Shush. Shush, dog is barking. Um, 
We're getting a bit deep on these next questions. Someone's bumping major distribution. Super loud music downstairs, for fuck's sake. Um, who's your ideal girl? Uh, it's a girl asking this. I don't know if she's hitting on me. Well, the first question is, are you in a relationship? The answer is no. I've been in like one serious relationship my entire fucking life. And that ended in tears and taught me a lot. And I feel like I'm never doing that again. Um, who's your ideal girl? My problem is that the ones that attract me visually and emotionally are definitely not wife material because I like girls that don't like me. Probably like a lot of people. And yeah, I guess visually, some of the girls that have been in the 80s movies have been that, that sort of look. Can't lie, that brunette tan sort of thing. Um, Semi-exotic sometimes. Not English sometimes. Um, yeah, anyway, I won't comment further on that. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm always torn because, like I say, the ones that visually and like emotionally attract me romantically get me into this fucking movie vibe are probably not the sort of girls that are actually good for me so there you go i'm not sure what made you want to build in public um don't fucking know i guess the first i started doing it like because of the first episode of the pod which is obviously about neon beach so that was like i wanted to share that story and then i don't know i think i got very positive feedback and i felt like i was quite naturally good at sharing stories and shit and, and then I was quite in, enjoyed doing the pod and then one day I thought fuck I wish I had recorded more stuff when I was building my previous brands and in the past in general so then that was the logic between fuck it I'll do the document the journey thing I think overall it's net beneficial but some people would say there's a lot of downsides to it I'm not really sure so we'll figure that out but yeah the first logic was just wanted to share the truth of what happened with that shit and then obviously it became more and I started doing it, but there's really not much logic to it. What advice would you give to a young entrepreneur who's still early in their journey? I mean, fuck me, it's a bit... I feel like I'm still a young entrepreneur that's early in my journey. But I think just accept that if you actually want to build something, it's going to be very, very hard. Um, I would just try and meet people that are doing similar shit because I think that's the only way you're going to survive. And I would probably try and generally focus on one area. You know, for me, that's always been e-commerce. I've never swayed into like forex or fucking airbnb arbitrage or whatever's trending right now or agency stuff whereas a lot of people do sorry i'm looking for the dog that's probably done a shit in this studio but yeah i would say try and focus when you find something that instinctively feels like the right thing but that might take a while to find for me i found e-commerce early but i didn't find the the brand and the space within e-commerce that early and i chopped and changed between a lot of things which isn't necessarily bad but, you know, if I'd fucking started Space Goods when I was 20, who knows where I'd be now. But obviously I didn't have the experience and know-how then. I did now and I didn't have the context of previous stuff that I didn't enjoy as much and that ended up failing and so on. So, easy to say in hindsight. So, yeah, that's what I'd say. When will we be able to buy Unicorn Blood? <laughs> I don't know if he's referring to a joking Space Goods product name that I've come up with or if he's referring to the red wine from the pod. But both of them are coming soon and only one of them will have that name. That's what I say. When are you doing the first PPSC London event? Um, I actually do it on Saturday. Saturday the 25th of Feb. I kind of subtly announced it. It's not a ticketed thing. I just thought, fuck it. You know, I'm actually going against my own advice of just not starting something here. My dog's crying. 
So I just said, yeah, fuck it. We're doing a big private dining dinner. There's limited limited to like 20 people. I got about fucking 100 people that messaged me saying they want to come. Don't really know how I choose those people, but obviously a lot of my mates are coming. Then a bunch of others. We'll see if it... I just wanted the first thing to be super easy. We go and we split the bill and it's fucking fun because I was just holding back on making this big deal about it. I think because I was overcomplicating it, giving it a brand name, it was actually, it's, it's just fucking people coming together that watch the pod and are interested in similar shit because most events are full of nerds and I felt like this audience and hopefully I'm not. So it's just trying to do cool shit with people that have similar interests and actually in this day and age, it's quite hard to find people that think similar way in, you know, in this entrepreneurship sphere. So yeah, I guess that's what PPSC is. It will become more than that and, I, and I'm very good at you know, making these dramatic brand ideas. But yeah, for now, it's just a fucking dinner. It's literally just meeting people. But I'm actually quite excited for it. Don't know why the fuck we've not done it sooner. If you want to come, message me. And to be honest, there has been like, there'll probably be like a 10 to 1 ratio of people that want to come and people that do come, especially for the first one. So just, if you don't, you know, if I don't send you the details, you probably just didn't message early enough, but I'll add you to the list for, the, for a later one. And I'll, you know, I'll set up an email list or whatever, make it way easier, do tickets for the next one with more notice and shit. So and we can try and get like a fucking full on venue. We'll get to the point where we've got like a Grant Cardone 10X stadium for the PPSC event, but we're starting with a round table private dinner in a very sick place in London. So that's on Saturday coming. Well, when this comes out, it would have been yesterday. So I'll let you know how that went. What are the key character traits you need to see? Oh, fuck me, that's such a boring question. I just think, but I'll answer it anyway. I think just relentless optimism especially when it goes shit, which for most people, they pretend it doesn't or they haven't had it happen yet. Easy to be optimistic when things are going bad. It's very hard to be optimistic and resilient and keep fucking going working on shit when you, you know, when the odds are actually against you and things aren't going well, which by the way, should be most of the time if you're pushing shit hard enough, in my opinion. So yeah. Um, oh, fuck me, this guy asked a lot of basic questions. <laughs> Sorry, this is your question. What has been your biggest failure I mean, Neon Beach, obviously. And the biggest lesson from that, I think first, I've said this on so many pods, but I think the first, the most poignant lesson from that, which I learned the very hard way, was A, have a fucking like proper finance guy, not just some outsourced accountant, because that can solve a lot of problems and it can see around corners in ways that you can't. And secondly, don't, don't, I think try and get experience around you ASAP. I was probably quite arrogant in hindsight and obviously I had people on the team, but they're all just freelancers and no one with any experience, especially in that arena of e-commerce scale, but especially when e-commerce scale goes very fucking wrong very quickly. So yeah, that, that'd be my biggest thing. What have you learned building? Fuck me, this is quite mentally taxing doing a, <laughs> doing a Q and A with myself because I have to read all the questions, think of a good answer, which probably isn't that good. Yeah, it's just way more engaging when I've got, someone to speak to even if they're just asking me the questions so yeah this is a weird one but um what have you learned building space goods which has changed where you would approach building a brand uh, i think a few things and i'm still learning very much and i still feel like every day i'm a fucking beginner like i genuinely do and i and i am because it's still a tiny business relatively and there's you know a lot of guys on twitter doing way bigger things and i'm very aware of that but i'm just the one fucking putting out content so probably wiser people that could answer these questions, but I'm answering them anyway. What have I learned? Um, I think thinking omni-channel is one thing, more. So we're on Amazon, we're going into retail. I think that's how a lot of bigger brands are actually built. I have been very set in my ways with D to C. But then beyond that, I think omni, well, omni-channel marketing as well as in different channels of marketing rather than relying 100% on Instagram ads or Google ads, which again, I've been very set in my ways and done in the past. 
I'm not doing that now. So they're kind of the basic ones. I think beyond that, focusing on building a team, even if it's very lean and relatively small and low cost to begin with, I just think, you know, three grand a month, say, invested in the right person, which granted is like a junior level thing, but that's, you know, just that person can pay pay for themselves tenfold if they're good. Um, so yeah, maybe take take some budget away from marketing, become more efficient on that and invest in team because also that, that's what's going to build a better fa foundation for the long term, even if it doesn't pay as well in the short term in terms of the P&L or whatever. So yeah, there are a few things that come to mind. What would you start with if you're a beginner getting into online business? I would definitely start with probably TikTok drop shipping if I'd literally never done anything and then I'd probably start an agency and then eventually I'd probably try and get into brand building. But by that point, like most agency owners, I'd probably realize that making 300 grand a year for an agency is way less stressful than trying to do that building a brand, um, which is why there's 99 agencies to every brand, by the way, in my opinion. But I say that, you know, tongue in cheek, still agencies, great model. I think that's better for most people, to be honest. So yeah, I would do stuff that's cash flow rich, but also you need to have some experience if you want to run people's ads. So that's probably what I'd say. TikTok dropshipping and then start an agency, I think, in some sort of thing. And I'd also start a personal brand, just documenting what the fuck I'm doing ASAP because I think that has basically no downside ultimately other than just feeling like an idiot to start with. And I still feel like an idiot doing pods because I feel like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. But some people listen and if anything, it means you can meet more friends and shit. Best nomad place to travel to in Europe in spring, I think Marbella or Lisbon, 100% fucking rate my bear oh my god there's a lot of questions um what is the best way to validate a product before launching honestly good question i never tried that i just went gut instinct i would say probably drop shipping for most people because you can actually see what's fucking working should i pause and choose questions or should i just literally go through all these questions um yeah i'll try and maybe be a bit, bit more selective um Ooh, some pretty good ones. What was the most important thing you learned about creating a brand? I think I've kind of answered that. Where do you see AI and tech in the future? Any business ideas or plans for that field? No fucking idea. I'm just trying to focus on building a mushroom brand and that's hard enough. So that's my answer to that. I love reading into all this mad shit, but I'm definitely not Elon Musk. So there we go. Moving to Dubai on the cards, question mark. Not yet, but one of my best mates is moving like next week. That's quite sad. You know, all the original group that fucking lived in London and all these memories and everyone's moving to Dubai to save on tax. It's just what happens when you get older, isn't it? Um, so maybe I'll go there soon because I do fucking crave the sun during summer. And I, d I feel like I just look shit during winter, like pasty white, starting to get fat, even when I'm doing a shitload of running. So potentially, yeah, I, I would. I, I can see the appeal. I can definitely for like winter, October to April or September to March, whatever it is. So, yeah. Where was I? Um, yeah, okay. How to get investment. Um, I get this question all the fucking time because I've public publicly spoken about raising money off angel investors and probably many of them, you know who they are because I've fucking been on my pod and shit. For example, Jimmy and Fred, you know, invested. Um, I think the first thing is, you, unless you're born into wealth, which I am not, and by the way, most people aren't, um, but annoyingly, a lot of, public facing entrepreneurs are and that's kind of frustrating because I can't relate but unless you're born into wealth you know family and friends around all this shit I think it's going to be basically impossible to raise investment unless you've got credibility 
and you'd built previous shit, which obviously I had, and I'd built that from scratch, and no mummy and daddy investment involved ever because they don't have any fucking money. Um, so yeah, I think you have to prove yourself and then I think you have to have a good idea and then I think ultimately people are going to be backing you more than anything. So for me, I think I had, I think it was all three really. I'd proven myself before. I'd obviously gone through a big fuck up and this time I decided to raise money to, it wasn't just for the money, although that obviously helps, um, but I wanted to do it with other people. And then I think the idea, I, I pitched my vision very well and I think the timing was very good. Um, but ultimately people are investing in me. So I'm fortunate to have built a good network. People I didn't know when I started, but you know, all those people and a few I met through the pod ended up investing. So yeah, I also think raising money, which I'm learning now on a bigger scale with like VCs and shit is a completely different skill set than just, you know, dealing with angel investors and so on. So maybe that's the whole pod in itself, but that's why I'd say generally, um, what skills slash domain do you naturally thrive in? I don't feel like I'm that good at anything. Maybe I'm very, I think, I mean, trying to be fucking humble. I think I'm very good at zero to one idea to like basic getting it, getting something done. I think that's very natural for me. And I guess, yeah, I've kind of proven that. I've done it like four times now, zero to zero to a million plus in revenue with a brand. And by brand, I mean like custom products, website, that shit. Um, so yeah, I think that. Um, so I suppose the creativity side is maybe one way to put it, like all the movies and shit, but also kind of that line, I think branding and zero to one e-commerce product slash brand launching is at the intersection of like creativity and commercial, like natural commercial ability, I suppose, and like understanding of marketing and so on. So probably that, I don't even know if that's an answer, but the zero to one lock me in a room and I come up with an idea and it'll probably be quite good and I'll probably be able to make it happen. So yeah, that probably. Um, keen to hear the story of how you landed on supplier and ingredients. Supplier, I just conscious I wanted to do it in the UK. That was the first thing. Same process as normal. I went through a load of samples, met a few of them and decided, fuck it, gut feel, I trust these guys, went with them. Ingredients, I basically took what I liked and didn't like in other products and brands, not necessarily like mushroom directly competitive brands, but across the board and then obviously bought from some brands, particularly in America in the mushroom space and just worked backwards from what I liked and didn't like and then came up with my own version. And I guess not luckily, but fortunately version one came out pretty well. Um, so yeah. On a personal development side, what is the next character arc theme going to be about? I definitely think hiring and delegating and becoming a leader rather than a in the trenches fucking grinding on emails thinking that that's the most effective way to work arc so going from being the scrappy bedroom brand entrepreneur which i've been for like the past seven years to being you know a much more respectable and investable and backable um leader and founder and i think that basically mostly involves getting away from the screen dealing with people better and becoming better at hiring and delegating. And I've, I have got better at that over the years, particularly in the past year even, but to a much greater extent, especially, especially with like senior shit. Like I really want to hire like an MD basically at the minute or COO, whatever the fuck you want to call them, but someone that I can just trust and allow to make decisions and basically realize that they're better than me. And I, I need to get better at that. And I'm getting better at it, but yeah, that's what I think it's all about right now. Um, do you think money is a tool or money is the goal? That's quite a good question. It's quite philosophical. I think I think it's 
both. I think it's a tool because if you're, you know, don't want to be the starving artist type, then you recognize that you have to have money and capital and resource to do anything. And also if you make more money from a business, it's probably having a more positive impact on people, especially if the business is like net positive for society. Like I feel like space goods is, you know, it's not changing the world, but I think it is actually having a better effect on the world than many other brands, like for example, fast fashion brands. Um, so yeah, but then, then it is also freedom's the goal for me in terms of like the goal being the separate part of the question. But also money is how you get freedom. It's a large part of it. Um, obviously time freedom, location freedom. You know, you don't just want money because if you sat in a box doing something you hate for money and that's not freedom. But money does have a massive part in that. And I think you'd be very naive and ignorant to say it doesn't. But at the same time, recognizing that it's not everything. So I feel like it's everything and nothing. And you have to just... I don't know, I'm still fucking figuring it out. I, I would really, really like 100 million pounds in my bank account. I don't have that yet. I'm very much working on that. I believe I can get there. But yeah, I think it's both. I think it's very important. But other things are also important. And ultimately, I think freedom for me is the goal. And what do I need to have freedom? I need creative freedom. I need time freedom, location freedom. Freedom to fucking think and do what I want and not be in a communist country and all this shit. And also money to be, money to help with all those things. You can't fucking travel and be free if you don't have any money so yeah money is very important but freedom is actually more important but you need money to get freedom so there we go your thoughts on religion fucking hell some deep ones i would all i would typically have called myself an atheist in the past or at least i didn't follow a religion i feel like i've always been spiritual in a way whatever the fuck that means um but yeah, maybe as I've got older, and a few people have said this, or I'm just being swayed, I don't know, maybe as I got older, I'm starting to believe in God and religion more because, I don't know, I feel like it's that classic thing where, you know, low IQ people believe one thing or whatever, the middle believe the other thing, and then the really high IQ people, not that I'm saying I'm that, but the people that kind of saying this are, they agree with, you know, the people at the bottom of the arc, and religion, I think, is one of them. So, I don't know. I think there has to be something more and I think it's a useful belief to have and maybe religion is a useful thing. So I, I don't really know. I don't want to get myself cancelled. Fuck me, there's a lot of questions. I feel like I need a break. Do you hire internal social media person or completely outsource? I literally just hired someone full-time to be like social media slash marketing exec. Basically any marketing that isn't paid and paid, but primarily organic marketing. I think you have to hire in-house for that. I just, I really don't see how there's any benefit in outsourcing that. So, yeah. What works and doesn't work with James and James multi-UK and EU fulfillment? Um, <laughs> well, James and James reduced my prices last time I spoke shit about them on the podcast. So maybe I'll say more. Um, I've actually been doing the EU with Jack fulfillment right now in Northern Ireland, which is a bit of a gap, which is a bit of a, um, a loophole in terms of it you, has the same benefit of getting into the EU, like massively quick shipping times, no import fees for customers without having, well, uh, without having stock in, in the Netherlands, so like on land in the EU. But I do think having two, three PL systems across one business and Shopify website is very complicated. So yeah, I'm actually looking at getting the warehouse with James and James in the Netherlands for the EU setup. Um, Cause it would just be better. So that's what I'm thinking. James and James overall have been good. They're, they're not the cheapest, but I think fulfillment-wise, it's not necessarily best to go with the cheapest. I think the tech and and systems are very good. I've worked with multiple fulfillment centers in the past. 
many of which haven't been that good. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Um, what gives you purpose in life? Fuck, I don't really know. I feel like doing hard shit. I think progress is probably the only thing, which is why I think trying to chase happiness all the time isn't necessarily the right thing. I, I wouldn't say I'm naturally a very happy person. Um, don't want to sound morbid, but it's just facts. Um, probably because I think too much. But I think progress, whether that's in fitness, business, well, they're kind of the two things right now that I care about. Um, you know, relationships, I think progress broadly, just getting better at something. And that doesn't necessarily mean always getting better at everything. My dog is licking my hand. But, you know, if, if the overall blend is getting better, then that's probably good. So, biggest fear with space goods, fucking hell. I guess it doesn't work, but I don't, I don't really think about that because I think every entrepreneur deep down has a fear of what if it all goes wrong, but I know what that's like and I bounce back from it. So I would just bounce back, I would just bounce back from it again. But I also don't think it would ever get to that point, at least to the same extent, worst case. Um, so yeah, I guess just it all going wrong and fucking running out of money. <laughs> but isn't that the fear for every entrepreneur? So we just don't really think about that. We just focus on what we can control. And I think if you control every day, then that's unlikely to happen unless something massively left field comes comes into play. Thoughts on managing finances slash cash flow for fast growing biz. No one fucking speaks about this, by the way, because I think most people are in agencies where, correct me if I'm wrong, cash flow is way less of a potential challenge because you have guaranteed margin on everything you do and you're not buying stock. So yeah, e-commerce is fucking hard when you're growing fast. I mean, there's two things that I've leveraged outside of obviously equity investment which is ultimately probably the best because it's not a debt um amex obviously fucking helps massively and then wayflyer revenue-based financing i'm currently using them again to really put in like massive stock orders to get cheaper unit prices and so on and obviously be wary of fees but you know it depends on every business you should have you should have a proper finance guy not just an accountant but like an actual part-time fd if you like um that knows what they're talking about to, to look at that and work out what makes sense. But it's fucking hard because um, even getting debt facilities these days is very hard. I think Amex is usually the easiest for a lot of people because you can dynamically build up a limit and that can be very, very helpful. 54 days, payment terms, no fees, obviously. So, yeah. But it's difficult. It's fucking difficult because even, even if you're profitable, it doesn't necessarily mean you won't have cash flow problems. At what point do you hire someone to do tasks for you? I'm still figuring that out. I think when it's one thing Jimmy said to me, and I think it's good advice. I've never really consciously done it for like a full day, but I think about it. You should note where you're spending most of your time and where you like consciously notice you're spending loads of time. And for me recently, that was like stock management. So now Florian is full time doing that shit and he's crushing it. Then I noticed another one after that was posting on Instagram still. So now I'm finally not doing that anymore. Now what I've noticed is I'm spending loads of time going through emails. So I'm thinking about getting like an assistant in just part time, just part time, like part time, full time, whatever just to make me more organized. Because I, I literally will spend two hours looking through emails and not fucking reply to any of them. Because I'm looking through the ones I don't want to reply to and then not replying to any of them regardless. So yeah, I think when you're when you're spending loads of time on it and you can afford to do it, hire someone to do it. But even actually some nights before you can afford to do it, because in a way by hiring to do it, as long as you can physically pay for it, it might not, you might think, oh, like, you know, this is a big part of the PL or whatever, it's too big of a cost. But if that cost unlocks more time or return elsewhere, then it's probably worth it, which is the thing I'm thinking about right now with hiring a potential ND or whatever, which might be like 120 grand a year salary plus equity, 
which to me sounds like, oh fuck, that's like 10 grand a month, you know, it's more than I pay the ads agency, but if they can unlock that next level of scale that I don't have a fucking clue how to do and do it profitably as well in a way that I might not be able to do, then it is worth it. And hiring people that you don't know what you don't know because you haven't done it yet, like hiring those sorts of people is obviously important. I just don't know when to pull the trigger on it, so I'm figuring that out. Next question, how to know, which is rapid fire, by the way, we're going to probably still do at least an hour. Um, how to know when to incorporate 3PL? For me, it's always been 3PL. Uh, ever since I had a business doing more than like a grand a month, <laughs> I did 3PL, which is maybe stupid, but in modern memory, ever since my Gentry Club brand, which I did like a thousand pound in a year with, like literally, I've used a 3PL. Um, my clothing brand before Midnight City called Dusk, we did like 30 grand a month, something like that, so it wasn't massive. It was pretty small. I was like 21. We used James and James Fulfillment then. Used the 3PL from Midnight City from the start. Obviously for, with Space Goods from the start as well. So yeah, I think that sort of thing, provided there's no massive upfront cost or like no huge minimums that you can't meet. I think you should not be fucking sat in a warehouse. You're not a logistics company. Like uh, there's a lot of brands and guys that I know watch this have only recently changed or are still using like their own fulfillment and doing it themselves. Why are you packing orders all day? That is like the lowest level thing you could possibly do for anyone. Like I think that's just a given. You should not be doing that. So get three PL. Was there a point where you almost gave up but didn't? What kept you going? Well, yeah, I guess with fucking Neon Beach went wrong. Like I could very easily pack it in, but I just thought I literally told myself, well, keep working. And I guess when I started this brand as well, and this is going to sound morbid, but I just decided, what's the alternative? I fucking kill myself. Like it was literally that simple, and I still think that now. When when I have bad moments, I think, well, what? I either work through it and make it fucking work, or what? I live a life that's so you know I fail, which to me is like I'd rather die. Ultimately, and it does sound flippant when you say that when you're not in a place at the time that feels like that. Like I'm not right now recording this. So yeah, there've been plenty of times when I almost give up, but then I just think, well, what's the alternative? Death, basically, you know, whether literally or like metaphorically because to me if i just gave up not that failure is death but if i gave up and never started again that is death that's worse than death that's like living with no fucking that's existing with no life do you know what i mean so i don't know i just believe passionately and just fucking getting after it so but especially when it's going badly every everyone can be motivated when it's going well that's that's the thing that's the easy part like bankrupt someone's business and make them start again when their fucking girlfriend has just left like like me like that's hard that's very hard and I've got a video on my phone of when I was in that low point like a year and a half ago and I was crying. And I've, I don't know why I fucking filmed it, but I thought in years to come, maybe never, but in years to come, maybe when I've reached the dizzying heights that I hope to reach, then I'll, I'll fucking share that and show the journey. So, yeah, and I think everyone has those moments. So maybe they don't, but I certainly did. And that for me was fucking rough. Oh, I like this question. What are your thoughts on the ROI of doing grenade-style PR guerrilla-type stunts like the tank they drove through London? Well, I've actually started a whole fucking part of the business where we're just working on this entirely. And the whole idea is how can we effectively spend no money? If, I think I tweeted it. If someone put a gun to my head and said you have to turn 1K into 100K in 24 hours, you know, dramatic example, but hypothetically, what would you do? And they're what I call them moonshots now, Operation Moonshot. It's this thing I've come up with in the business. And the idea is 10 to 100x plus as a minimum. How can we do these stunts? And I've got a few of them in the works that are actually are happening. I just need to grow some balls and do them. 
and the first one's coming soon, so watch out for that. I think they could be massive. I think they could be shit. If there's no ROI, then there'll always be a content ROI. So I think the ROI, uh, uh, you know, there's always going to be a positive ROI on that. I honestly think it's just whether it brings in like 10x on sales or 100x on sales in terms of the cost is probably arguable. But the content is always going to pay for itself, I think. And if if nothing, then it's just fun. Do you know what I mean? Especially if you're not spending loads on it. Um, that's a funny question. How seriously should we take choosing people for our inner circle? I've never really thought about this. I swear some people think, I don't know, networking is like this weird like Illuminati thing where you fucking go and do some blood sacrificial ritual with a few boys in like a back alley. But I don't know. Your inner circle to me is just guys that you fucking, your best mates that you trust the most and have kind of naturally formed this thing. Like I'm in this group chat, it's five of us. And that's like the inner circle, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Just go with your gut. Make sure you're aligned. I don't think it has to be scientific. I think it just that shit naturally happens. And if you force it, it probably ain't right. So that's my view on that. How did you market space goods from zero followers, awareness, etc.? Like every fucking brand, you start with zero followers, you start running some ads, some of them work, some of them don't, and you keep running the ads and you get a lot of eyeballs and then you get more eyeballs and you get some sales and then you get more sales and then you get more eyeballs and then you've got a bit of a following. Then you go from there. Like That is the momentum of building a business, right? And it always feels a bit embarrassing when you like launch something and that was kind of, that was the potential downside of like building in public is that the brand... I didn't even know if it'd do well when I launched. I thought it would, you know, I hoped it would. I didn't know though, because it didn't exist. It's not like I'd scale it to 10 million and then gone, oh, I'm the founder. It was like, this is my new brand. You can take the piss because it has one follower and it was doing zero revenue on day one. And now it's still pretty small compared to like a lot of other brands I know, my mates and so on, but it's obviously way, 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 way bigger. And we've done multi seven figures in revenue since I launched it. And we've got 30,000 followers or whatever it is. And now it's a decent little brand. It's nothing special still at all. I genuinely don't think it is. But it's quite cool that you can go from literally nothing to something. And that's the alchemy of entrepreneurship. But I think people forget that everything starts from zero. Everything ever. So, yeah, you just fucking start is the answer to that, honestly. How do you connect with other like-minded entrepreneurs? I want to do the same. It's the most <laughs> This is the most common question I ever get. I don't know, just fucking go and meet people. Um, do something cool, get out of your comfort zone, realize that no one knows anything or knows anyone when they start, including me and everyone else that's ever been on this pod or probably ever existed, unless they come from money or whatever, and even then they probably don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, so yeah, just, and then, I don't know, go to some event or something. Like I knew no one when I started, literally no one that was into anything I was into. And then I met Adam and then I went to some event and then met, everyone else that I know basically and then you start to build momentum and then you know more people that know more people that know more people and then you've got something to talk about and some content and some context and proof that you're not some random fucking LARPer then you meet other people right so it's like standard shit everyone knows nothing like nothing exists until you create it I mean it's also cringe but it's just true so yeah and also come to one of the fucking events I'm going to start hosting first ones first one was yesterday so I'm filming this on the Tuesday, but first one was yesterday on Saturday, 25th. It's going to be lit. It might end up being like, it might end up being shit. I mean, it won't be shit, but it, it'll either be good or it'll be like really good and we'll fucking want to do it every week and it'll become this thing. I really hope it's that. Have you tested ads on Pinterest and YouTube? I don't, I can't read that. It's not spelled very well. Have you tested ads with Pinterest and YouTube? The more niche ad campaigns. 
Not Pinterest. I did that on Neon Beach. YouTube, yes, as part of Google Ads, but not as much as I would like because we haven't run any ads to the fucking 80s movies, even though they, well, cost quite a lot of money relatively, but also cost a lot of time. So I should probably do something with them. That's where the more pods I do, the more I need a trim. But then that's why I wear a hat because my hair looks so shit because I need a trim. But then when I wear a hat too long, it starts to hurt. I might go full fucking podcast spec. So I have the hair this way as well. We should definitely get... So I'm going to start doing. I'm going to get a bunch of pod listeners to join me like once a month and we just do a fucking weird Q&A or whatever. Or we just answer questions live. So I, I want to do like a four-person pod where we just drink red wine because this, this studio is cool to be fair I don't know how this actually is going to look and sound but it's almost I like having a table it is better having a table than just having fucking no table like I do in the in the flat currently next question any advice about documenting the journey of someone new to the space is weekly talking just fucking start filming some shit I literally sit at my computer and talk shit and I'm still probably relatively embarrassed when I do it now. Like even now, this feels like kind of document the journey because it's just me. But honestly, any advice, just start. And I would recommend doing it on YouTube because then you can have a date when you did it. But just if you really don't want to put it out there, start, post the videos, do them unlisted or private. Then in years to come, you could suddenly unprivate five years of content when you've built this multi-million pound brand or business or whatever you've done. And that'll be sick because no one can take away and disprove the fact you did that five years ago or you were saying that five years ago. So I wish I'd done more of that. I've got some stuff on my previous travel channel, you know, speaking about e-com in like 2017. I have a music channel before that, doing stuff in 2013. I wasn't talking about e-com back then because I didn't fucking know what it was. But that would be my advice on that, honestly. So just fucking start would be the main thing. I, you'll never regret filming and documenting shit ever, I don't think. You'll only regret not doing it. And I regret not doing a lot of it. And I still did a lot of it. And I regret many things. I wish I'd done more, basically. So, yeah, fuck it. Um, that's what I'd say. Some of these questions are a bit gay. Like, they're just very... I'm just not into, like, the technical questions. As you can probably tell if you watch this, I prefer speaking about, like, my type of girl and shit. Um, how do you decide to manufacture? I already answered that. How important has it been for you to create and grow in public? All right, quite a good question. How has your personal brand unlocked doors for you? Yes, it has. And my view on personal branding is... The problem is, I think a lot of people do it wrong. And they just, I didn't even think of it as personal branding when I started. Like now there's fucking like personal branding consultants for LinkedIn and shit. And I, I don't know, maybe that works. But for me, it was just personal brand was just me documenting shit and being myself. But I think it's very clear on being myself because the first content I put out, at least in the pod format, was me talking about my massive fuck up. And it was evidently not a good time. So I think people bought into that. And then I was like, all right, I'll just start sharing shit along the way. And by definition, documenting what I'm doing, even even the ups and downs buys you a lot of trust I think and authenticity is what people fucking want I think because there's such a lack of it in almost everything else out there like influencer stuff and so yeah I think personal branding is just you being yourself but a lot of people do it way too like it literally is a brand to them like they pretend to be someone they're not like a lot of YouTubers and so on and that probably works as well but that's just not how I've gone about it but it has definitely unlocked doors because for example three of my current investors I met through the pod if I didn't have the pod wouldn't have met them and they wouldn't invest in the business. And that has also unlocked other doors. So, yeah. But obviously for me, I think I had a lot of context before. Before I put out any e-com content, at least on the pod, I had a lot of stuff I'd done. 
and I was clearly credible and also been honest about my ups and downs. It wasn't like I'd started a pod. There's nothing wrong with this either, but for me, I hadn't started a pod with no context, which there are plenty out there that have. And by the way, most of them have got more views than me anyway. Um, but yeah, it, long, it unlocks a lot of doors. I've had literally 50, 50 year old founders, like really successful businesses, reach out to me and say, oh, you know, I watch, I watch the pod. Can I invest in the business? Like, do you need any help? Whatever it is. And then just little things like even having a Twitter audience, like it's quite cool now, especially Twitter, that I can put out a tweet and say, who wants to come and do this dinner? And, you know, fucking 200 people message me. It's just cool. And they're all like decent people that are on a similar page. And that's how you meet people. Like, it's all a bit weird, but I've met, you know, internet friends that become real friends. And, and that's how the world works now, isn't it? So I think having some sort of brand and just content out there fucking hell my hair looks so shit um unlocks a lot of doors and it's very beneficial so yeah all right how long do you give an agency such freelance freelancer to perform i mean you're probably talking about ads agency i'll probably say like a month to be honest i think a month for anything is a, is a good judge of anything performance wise like a 30 day period i think it's long enough to be conclusive but it's short enough to not cause a shitload of damage if it's the wrong person or team or whatever so that's how I judge anything, by the way, on 30 days, genuinely like KPIs and shit, all 30 days. You can be way too granular if you look at stuff day to day and probably also too granular on a week to week basis. So I think 30 days. Two questions. How do you get your payment processes after being shut down with your previous brand and how do you plan to structure your day? All right, cool. That's two questions. So the first question, how did you get your payment processes? Yeah, it's a pretty good question to be fair because I was like blacklisted from Stripe and PayPal after Neon Beach basically, or at least I thought I was because we got up to like 40% chargebacks. I'm talking like a million pound plus in chargebacks in three to four months, like historic. I should almost be at like the fucking local chargeback awards or something. Would not be a nice thing to collect, but it's probably true. And I'm sure they have databases of who has been the most and I'm probably up there. Um, Not for good reasons. So yeah, I think obviously I didn't have any issues because firstly it was a new business that was set up, obviously new company. Still me, I wasn't like pretending it wasn't me or anything, but I think it's I think payment processors do actually look at you like in a human sense. It's not like if you're blacklisted, you're banned now. It's like, oh, he's launched something else, it's clearly legit. You know, I was there's an API plugged into my fulfillment center, the tracking's there in a day. We have literally less than zero point one percent chargeback now. Like insanely low. I'm actually surprised it's that low, to be honest. Um same on like PayPal. So yeah, I think if, if you run a legit thing, like I saw someone tweeted me being like, oh, my chargebacks are 3%. How do you get around it? Like, can I find a high risk processor? And I was like, nah, the problem is your customer service is shit or your product shit or your shipping shit. Like it shouldn't be 3%. Do you know what I mean? And I've been there. I've had it like 3% probably generally when I was doing like, well, not 3%, but you know, higher than 0.1%. And then obviously Neon Beach when it went through the roof was like fucking 40%. So yeah, if you haven't chargeback issues or payment processor issues, the problem is, the business or something you're doing it's not like you've been blacklisted it's, it's the system's fault because i used to think that and it just isn't true so yeah that's what i'd say um how you landed on the supplier i kind of already went through that oh no sorry how do you plan to structure your day not very well i mean to give an i might do a video on this one of the things i say i might do and then probably don't do M my general day is like the hardest shit and the needle movers in the morning. And by morning, I mean like genuinely 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. because I eat at like 2 p.m. And then when I eat, my brain is fucked. And then in the afternoon, <laughs> I try and train in the afternoon. I'll do content like I'm trying to do now. And then in the evening, I do like creative shit or a pod. 
or well more work generally but that's kind of the rough outline i'm not going to bore you with more details because i'm still trying to figure that shit out I'm trying to spend less time on a screen and more time or at least less time on a screen by myself and more time speaking and hiring and structuring people because i really need to fucking do that um i don't understand this question could an exit strategy affect the mindset of a founder my assumption was that a brand built from passion is like a child that you want to direct and have a power of influence throughout the course of its growth is I don't really get what he's saying, but I think he's saying is, is like the motivation if you're building with an exit in sight, does that change it? I don't know. I mean, I've, ne I've not had a big exit yet. I certainly think about positioning a business for that, but I also think you have to be passionate to even make something work. So, I mean, it's a given that you'd have to be passionate about something, I think. Um, and then if you can make it big enough and valuable enough, then you have the chance to build something that you might be able to exit from. So that's what I'm saying. When's the first event? Well, I guess it's on fucking Saturday. So yesterday, if you didn't come, I'm very sorry, but you can definitely come to a future one. And this is probably going to become a huge thing. I feel like it will because red wine, round tables, private dining, cool people is never a bad thing. Um, yeah, we'll see who comes. We'll see who comes to the first one and report back. How do you approach product development? Oh, fuck me. Yeah, this is very rarely talked about. It's actually, I've got a pretty good system for it, to be fair. You know what? I'm going to do a video specifically on that and try not to expose everything I know. I'm itching. But I guess it started with just ideas, then it turns into samples, then it turns into new samples and like feedback loops and then customer feedback loops, most importantly. And then developing shit. But yeah, product development, I need to spend more time on it, MPD in general, um, and EPD, existing product development, and like improving shit. Um, I should probably hire someone full-time for that eventually or maybe fairly soon. But yeah, I'll do a video on it. Best way to build an audience for brand on social media. Honestly, I'm still trying to figure this out because I've always been paid, paid, paid. One thing I really want to crack is organic. So, you know, brands like Thursday Dating, brands like the Ripple Co, those vapes. Um, what's another good example? I mean, there's loads of good examples, but brands that have cracked it like community and organic wise, I really haven't yet. I mean, we're nine months in, nearly 10 months in, actually 10 months in, fuck, 10 months into the brand now. Um, still working that out, but I'll let you know. Best books, advice when selling DTC bids from friends I knew. Well, I've never had a big exit. I have had a distressed exit. So I guess I did learn a lot in that process. Um, and I have spoke to people about it. Obviously, I know guys and people that have invested in the business that have taught me a lot about that process. I mean, I think the most obvious one that is, is obvious, but it's actually very, 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 very important is to have everything locked down months and months and months before you ever even think about exiting. Obviously, from that, for now, I have a monthly management account pack, which is obviously all the financials, but it's also like a report on the business, which is, you know, it's like the solid data point every month that I present to shareholders and we go through it. And eventually that will become the story and like the financial and data story of the business when we go to raise more money, if we do that, and if and when I go to sell it. So, yeah, I think having everything locked down, especially financially, right from the start, because um, I know people, especially when they're getting into drop shipping or starting a brand, and that was me back in the past. You'd have an accountant outsourced, whatever, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily have all the stuff. Because a due diligence process is incredibly excruciating. Even just trying to raise money, which I'm doing now, of like VCs and shit, it's better to have all that prepared and have a pitch deck that sells the head and the heart of a business. And like the head of the business is like the, the finances, you know, the mechanics of it the commercials of it, the heart is like the vision, where could this go? Who are we back in in terms of you? So I think, I think everyone should make a pitch deck for their business, even if they don't plan on raising money. 
because the process of doing it, and you should use pitch.com, and that's where I did mine. The process of doing it will make you understand the business better and it will give you a roadmap and you should fucking do it. So that would be my advice. How to document the journey well based on your experience. I literally make videos beside my computer and people fucking click on them. So please don't ask me for advice on making videos. I would just say be authentic. My dog's barking. Shut up. Shut up. Oh, first. That'd be my advice. Um, be yourself and just fucking film it and be authentic and don't think about it because everything ever is shit when it starts and my podcast is still shit and we're like a year and a half in. So, yeah. Do you want to make some shifts to make space goods more sustainable? Blah, blah, blah. Yes, I do. Um, I think I'll probably go down like the whole B Corp thing soon. Partly because I think you, it's good for a business these days, but also because I think it makes it more investable, it makes it more valuable and I'm reverse engineering the things that might prevent me from being valuable in the future and that's certainly one of them that's feedback i've had that's feedback i've given myself because i look at brands that you know are exiting for massive multiple brands that are growing very well as well grand brands that stand out and a lot of them yeah you know they have all that sustainable stuff under wraps and i think it definitely fits the brand as well going into like mushrooms and psychedelics and all that so they're the only questions i screenshotted how long have we gone about an hour um yeah, fuck. I kind of ran through that. Was that interesting? I hope it was. Yeah, mentally taxing doing these by myself, honestly. Um, was that a good episode? I just cracked my back. So, yeah, we're meant to have a guest today. We didn't. These are the Shure mics. These are like the fancy ones that Joe Rogan uses and shit. I wonder how this will sound compared to the normal pod. I'm looking forward to getting a guest in here or two or even like a roundtable spec with like four, five, six people. As always, let me know what you want to see in the pod. Um, that was completely unscripted and unplanned, so I hope it was remotely interesting. We're in the new studio, Dream Factory. My dog has been here barking, ruining fucking everything. As always, appreciate you watching. Let me know what you want to see. I'm trying to take this more seriously. Look, we've invested in a proper studio. I'm probably going to find out that everyone thinks this is way worse because it's like more formal and whatever, but I feel like it's better to bring guests here and do this shit. Um... I need to start getting a haircut weekly, I think. It's just going to become a thing. Um, yeah, looking forward to doing episodes here. We're mixing it up. It's the next chapter for the pod. I apologize for the audio quality in the last episode. We kind of fucked that up. That wasn't my fault, but it also was my fault because I should have briefed them better. Um, we're in the proper studio. As always, cheers for watching. Been weird doing this by myself, and I'll see you in episode 63. Peace. Boom. Oh, shit. No, wait. I want to... I need to start this way. Cheers for watching the pod. Catch you in the next episode. As always, boom. Peace. Let's fucking go. Grab a pack for 49 pounds or subscribe and save for just 39 pounds per month for longer term benefits. Spacegoods.com.